Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm so thankful you've joined us for worship today. We're going to be talking about the importance of knowing what to say. As followers of Christ, it's really important we know what to say when we're talking to people who are not followers of Christ. And we understand how powerful and how important words are. You know, sometimes people in today's culture get in trouble when they say the wrong thing on social media. It's caused people their jobs, their reputations. It's caused students to be kicked out of college and lose scholarships. Uh, and sometimes things that we say can create conflict, can lead to to, to fights. And But we, we also know that words can be powerful. In our own lives, they can really encourage us. I remember when I was a teenager and preached for the very first time in my home church, uh, after the service, Miss Weber, who was also my high school French teacher, was speaking to me. And I still remember all these years later what she said. She said, Steve, I think you found your calling. And those words helped affirm in my own heart what God was saying to me about being a preacher. They were very powerful, and I still remember them. I also remember another occasion when I was about 18 years old preaching one Sunday morning in a small uh, country church and uh, my loops were my notes were laying loosely on the on the pulpit and and I, I got excited and I waved my arm and when I did I, I hit those notes and a puff of air caught them and they just floated off the pulpit and I can still see them in my mind's eye floating down off the stage and fell under under the communion table down front and so I had to stop the sermon walk off the stage, get on my knees, retrieve those notes from under the table, walk back up on the stage, put the notes back on the pulpit, finish the sermon. Needless to say, it was not a very good message that day. And after the service, there was this sweet lady, an elderly white-haired lady, came down front, was speaking to me, and I still remember she looked at me and she shook my hand and said, I ain't got no doubt but that you're going to be a good one someday. And I still laugh about that because, you know, words words are powerful. They can encourage us. They can discourage us. Sometimes they, they make us laugh. And there are moments in life when all of us struggle with what to say. I think about a, you know, a young boy who for the very first time is going to ask a beautiful young lady on a date and he might struggle with what to say. I mean, let's be honest. Most men struggle with what to say when a woman cries. Uh, some of us struggle to know how to respond when someone pays us a compliment. And rather than just saying thank you, we, we kind of you know demure and put ourselves down. Uh, when someone dies and you go to the home or you go to the funeral home for visitation, it's not always easy to know what to say. Sometimes we struggle with what to say when, when there's a bully, when somebody is being very forceful or being emotionally manipulative. And I also believe that many of us who love the Lord Jesus and who go to church all the time struggle with what to say when it comes to being a witness for Jesus to people in our lives who do not know Jesus, who are disconnected from God, and who are spiritually lost. But I also believe that most of us want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We want our friends to know him and to be saved. We want to invite people to church and we want them to say yes and come and experience the love of God. But quite often, can we just be honest? Quite often we struggle with what to say, how to say it, what to talk about, how to talk about our spiritual lives and a relationship with Christ. And what I want to do this morning is help you with that. If you are one of the many people, and you probably are, that sometimes struggle with what to say and how to say it and what to talk about, I want to help you. And I want to do that by asking you to open your Bible with me to the book of Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at 
Jesus' last instructions, his final instructions to his followers before he ascended back to the Father in heaven. Because, you know, last words can be powerful. Last words usually, uh, not always, but usually are filled with great meaning and, and, and they come from a place of deep conviction. I remember when my dad was dying with cancer at the age of 54, a few weeks before he died, we had a dinner at the house. And I remember several of my cousins were sitting around the table with me and dad and my brother, I believe, was there. And I still remember dad looking at us and telling us as cousins to, to get along with each other, to not argue with each other and not to fight, but to love each other and to get along with one another. Because that was on his heart that evening as the family was gathering for one of his final meals with his nieces and nephews. Well, Jesus' last words, his last instructions to his followers and to, to me, to you, to us is found, uh, they're, they're found in Acts chapter 1. And so let's read the first eight verses together and then learn some things that it can encourage us and help us know how to talk about Jesus with people who don't know Jesus, know what to say. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke is writing this and he also wrote the gospel of Luke. And he says, the first account I composed, referring to the gospel of Luke, Theophilus, the man that he wrote it to. He said, the first account that I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, his ascension, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders or commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, after the crucifixion, by many convincing proofs. He demonstrated his, his power and his being alive to them time and time again after his resurrection, appearing to them, it says, over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and gathering them together. Now he's getting ready to ascend, so he gathers them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, Jesus said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but, now here's the key, but, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, before we get really practical and talk about, you know, what to say to someone and how to talk to someone and how to overcome our struggle of knowing what to say, I just want to remind us of a couple of things from this passage that we know, but I want to remind us because they're really, really important. And the first thing is this, is that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has commanded me and you, each of us, to be his witnesses. In verse 2, uh, Luke talks about Jesus through the Holy Spirit giving orders. Some of your Bibles may translate that giving instructions or commandments. It's interesting, the root word for orders here in the Greek language has the idea of, of here's the outcome, if you will. Just picture it like this. Here's the outcome. Here is the end result. Here is the goal that you are to accomplish, that you are to achieve. In other words, when, when Jesus was giving orders, he was saying to them, this is what I want to see happen. This is the end result. This is the outcome that, that 
you are to accomplish with what I am telling you and teaching you. Here's what you are to get it done. So get it done. Do this. And then in verse 4, he used the word commandment, which is literally a spoken order. It's like a general in the army giving a verbal command to the soldiers. That's what Jesus is doing here. And then in verse 8, he said, you shall be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And in the original language, that is very emphatic, and it's got a future orientation. So it's like Jesus is emphatically saying that from this point going forward, you will, you will be my Witnesses. So I just want to remind us, and, and, and this is what sometimes scares us, but I want to remind us that Jesus is commanding me and he's commanding you to be his witness. And, and yes, like I said, sometimes we struggle to obey this commandment because we, we struggle with what to say or maybe we are afraid. And because of that, we occasionally treat this commandment of Jesus like a suggestion, not an order. It's easier for us to sometimes say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not very fluent. I, I'm, I'm, not very, I'm not a very good speaker, so this really doesn't apply to me. It's for these other people. It's sometimes it's easier for us to, to pass it off and make excuses for why we don't obey this command than it is to deal with the real issue, which is we sometimes are either afraid or we don't know what to say or how to say it. But we've got to, we've got to own the fact. We have to, you're, you're never going to learn what to say and how to say until you accept the commandment of Jesus to be his witness. Now, there's a second thing I want to remind us of that we already know. Jesus' work is not finished. His work in this world among the human race is not finished. Now, his atoning his atoning death, his, his being a sacrifice for our sins, his making, paying, paying the penalty for our sin, making atonement for our sin on the cross. Yes, that's finished. On the cross, he said it's finished. He has paid fully for our sin. But the work of Jesus, of, of taking the gospel to the world, of sharing the gospel with people who are disconnected from God, that work is not finished. In fact, it continues today. Notice Luke, even in writing this letter that we call the book of Acts, at the end of verse 1, he said he had written in the gospel of Luke about all that Jesus began to do and teach. All that Jesus began to do. And teach. You see, we are still continuing, carrying on his work. We are still telling other people about his teaching, about all the things that he said. His work is not finished. It continues. It continues in us, in me, in you, and it continues through us, through me, and through you. It's not finished. We each have a part to play in continuing the work of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself in Luke's gospel in chapter 10, verse 2, said that the harvest is plentiful. There are many, many people out there who are lost and who need a relationship with God. The harvest is plentiful. The problem, the problem is not with the lost people. The problem is that the laborers are few, that, are not, that, that not enough of us are continuing his work. 
that not enough of us are out in the fields doing the work of telling people about Christ. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but there's not enough of us doing the work. We're not doing our part. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord, beg God, pray to God, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send out workers, laborers into the harvest. You and I need to understand that not only have we been, been commanded to be a witness for Jesus, but we have the privilege, listen, brothers and sisters, of being part of that work. The challenge is that so many of us are not doing our part. And yet I really believe, I firmly believe in all my heart that most of us want to be part of that work, that we want to be laborers in the harvest. But sometimes we're intimidated. Sometimes we're uncertain about what to say. So let's talk about that for the remaining moments we have together this morning. I want to remind you again of what Jesus said in verse 8. He said in verse 8 of Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost or the ends of the earth. That's our part. And that's the part that scares us. But let's talk about it because it's so very, very important. Now, when Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses, the word translated witness there literally refers to somebody who's able to talk about something because he has knowledge of the subject. He's able to talk about something because he remembers. He remembers what he saw. He remembers what he heard. He remembers what he experienced. He remembers what he knows. And therefore, he's able to share that information. He's able to confirm the facts. He's able to confirm the truth. In other words, he or she talks about what he or she knows talks about what he or she has experienced, what he or she has seen and understands. Now, let me illustrate it for you just from life. Uh, if you have conversation with me from time to time, uh, man, I can talk a long time with passion about college basketball. I'm a lifelong Kentucky Wildcat fan, and uh, I know a lot about college basketball, a lot of the history, and I'm, I mean, I can just go on and on and have conversations about that. I enjoy having conversations about brining meat and cooking meat, whether it's on the grill or in the frying pan or the oven or in recent recent uh, times uh, uh, in, in my smoker, my pit barrel. I love doing that. And I'll talk to you about that, and I'll ask you how you do it, and I'll, I want to learn. I'm excited about that. And so I talk about that a lot. In fact, the other day, Monisa and I were in Asheville at the farmer's market buying some green beans and tomatoes and stuff and came across one stand and I, I bought a, a cutting board and started talking to the man there and we tar started talking about rubs, rubs to put on your meat when you smoke and, and we got into a deep conversation about that and learned that he and I both prefer cooking with cherry wood. That's our favorite wood when we smoke meat. I can talk about that. Now, I have friends who love to talk about cars. They can tell you everything about every car or every truck that's ever been built in America going back for 30, 40, 50 years. I can't. Why? I don't care. I don't have any passion to know about all the different makes and models of cars and when this engine came out and doesn't interest me. I have no desire. Nope. I don't read the magazines. And so if guys start talking about that, I nicely listen and nod, but I don't engage because it's just not an interest of mine. But now when it comes to smoking meat and when it comes to, you know, college basketball, man, I can talk and talk and talk. You see, that's what being a witness is. It's talking about what you know. It's talking about your experience. It's talking about the things that you are passionate 
about. And that is exactly what Jesus' followers did. And the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, two of Jesus' followers, Peter and John, are arrested because they've been talking about Jesus in public. And they are threatened. They are actually told by the authorities to stop talking about Jesus. Do you know what their response was? Acts chapter 4 verse 20, they said, We cannot stop talking about what we have seen and heard. Now listen to that. They said, We cannot stop talking about what we have seen and heard. So all of this begs the question, why don't you know what to say when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to inviting people to church? Why do you not know what to say when it comes to talking to people who do not follow Christ? Can it be? Could it be? Now listen. Can it be because you're not spending very much time hanging out with Jesus? Could it? Could it be that you're not spending much time in his word and so you just don't have anything to say because you don't really know his word? It's not on your heart, not on your mind. Could it be that one of the reasons you struggle with what to say when you're, you're, you're around lost people is because you're not having very, meaning, very, very many meaningful experiences with Jesus where you're worshiping him and he, and he is impacting your life and changing your life? Could that, could that be the reason you struggle with what to say? Could, could it be that the reason you struggle with what to say is because your relationship with Christ is not fresh, but it's become stale, it's become stagnant. In Acts chapter 1 that we read a moment ago in verse 3, it says that those followers that were there when Jesus ascended to the Father had been with him 40 days following his resurrection. He had been with them for those 40 days and taught them and they had hung out with him. And it's not just those 40 days. Many of them had been with him up to three years before that and now they're with him these 40 days following his resurrection, spending time, spending time with Jesus. Are you hanging out with Jesus? Are you spending time on a consistent basis in the presence of Jesus Christ through his word so that the Holy Spirit can transform you and give you something to talk about? In Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, Jesus ordered and commanded his disciples to wait. Wait until they had been filled with, been baptized by the Holy Spirit to remain in Jerusalem. And he said in verse 8, when they receive the Holy Spirit, they will receive power. They will receive power, and then they will be his witnesses. You know, the Holy Spirit is God with us, living within us as disciples. And when I wait, when I, when I spend time in the presence of God, when I spend time in his word, not just to learn it, but to encounter him. And I allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life as I invest time in his word and the presence of God, it changes me. But you see, the problem is, let's just be honest. While most of us want our friends to know Christ and be in church, if we're, if we're honest, too often, too many of us barely make time for worship on Sunday mornings, don't we? If we're, if we're being honest, is it not true that, that there, there are many of us who hardly ever make time Monday through Saturday uh, for God's Word? 
to read it, reflect on it, meditate on it, pray about it. Seldom make time to write in our spiritual journals. You know, not, not, I'm not talking about writing in your journal what your kids did at school today. I'm talking about writing in your journal what you read in Scripture and what God said to you and how you're going to respond to what he said. Barely make time to pray, except maybe when we say grace over our dinner. You see, getting to know Jesus by spending time in his word and in his presence, you know what it does? It gives us something to talk about. It gives us insight and information and knowledge, and we have experiences, and so we're able to talk. But, but to have that requires an investment of time. See, one of the reasons I'm able to talk about college basketball so much is not because I've been to one or two games over the years. It's because I've been a lifelong fan and I've watched game after game after game. I've been to game after game after game. I've read books. I've played the game. Listen, I invested time and therefore I know a lot about it. When it comes to cooking meats, I know a lot about cooking various meats because I've just experimented over the years and I've, I've watched videos and I've talked to other men who do the same thing and, and now I'm trying to learn how to do a better job of cooking lamb. That's the new one I want to learn, but I'm investing the time to learn how. Listen, I can't have long conversations about the different makes and models of cars over all the years, not only because I'm not passionate, but because I'm not passionate about that, I haven't invested any time in learning because I just don't care to learn. Now, when it comes to Jesus Christ, which one are you more like? Isn't it a shame that those of us who say we know Christ and are saved and love the Lord and go to church don't have enough interest in Jesus and the things of Jesus to invest time in his word, to invest time in his presence so that we can know enough to have something to say when the opportunities present themselves? Making time for Bible reading, making time for our D group, making time for reading books, making time for going to Sunday school, making time for being in worship, not every now and then, but consistently week after week and day after day. It will give us something to talk about and it will give us a boldness and we end up speaking out of the overflow. Recently, I bought a griddle because I wanted to add that to my collection of outdoor cooking equipment. So I bought me a griddle. Now, I wanted a certain one of a certain brand and a certain size with a certain number of burners. And because of the lack of inventory, the only place I could find it was at the Lowe's store in Gastonia, North Carolina. So I drove over there to pick it up. And the man who helped me load it into my truck was one of the men who assembled grills and griddles and so on for the store. Really nice. We ended up having about a 10-minute conversation. And at one point, there was an opportunity for me to share with him, yes, that I was a pastor. And that led into other conversations. And, and I remember asking him, uh, did he attend church anywhere? He said that when he was growing up, he went all the time. And then he stopped. And recently, he's been going some. And he told me which church. He was very specific about the church and the pastor. Well, I asked him, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he was able to tell me about the time when he was an older child that he committed his life to Christ. And I was able to encourage him in his walk with Jesus and to very forcefully say to him, kindly but clearly say to him, you need to go to church uh, this Sunday. It was just a natural conversation because, you know, I'm spending time with Christ and in his word. And it's just, it's on my heart and it's on my mind. And when you're not in his word and you're not spending time with him, it will not be on your heart. It will not be on your mind and you won't grab the opportunities. Now, that doesn't mean we're never afraid that we never have to overcome some anxiety. In fact, recently on Monday night, 
uh, there were a, a small group of us, just five, downtown in Rock Hill at the Fountain uh, to pray for our city. One of our African-American pastors wanted to start a monthly prayer time, and so it's new, and not many people knew about it, so I went. And so there were just five of us, and I remember thinking we can all stand in a circle and just pray together. But he had brought a microphone and a speaker, and, uh, and he wanted us to use it. And I can remember there was a moment in my mind when I'm having this negative self-talk about, why do we need to do it this way? We can just stand here. What are people going to think when they hear us, just five of us, praying out loud on this speaker here in this public fountain? <laughs> and uh, I remember it was like God said to me, Steve, are you ashamed of me? And as soon as, as soon as I thought that, as soon as God said that to me, I said, no, Lord, put that thought aside. And I was able to pray and just enjoy the moment. Sometimes we have to, we just have to choose to obey. And here's what I've learned. Obedience, listen, obedience chases away fear. Obedience chases away fear. The Holy Spirit will give us so many opportunities if we'll just seize them. I remember the other day when Chris Howe, our college pastor and high school pastor, preached one Sunday morning after church that day. I stopped by a local restaurant to get a sandwich, went inside, and, and the clerk, really nice, asked how, how my day was going so far. And I said, wonderful. I've just had a great time worshiping Jesus. Now I'm going to have a good sandwich to eat. It's a great day. And, and I asked him, how's your day going? And it led to a really quick conversation that gave me an opportunity to share with him which church I attended. You see, I'm never going to know what to say and have the boldness to say it if I'm only depending on other people's experiences. I have to have my own experience with Christ. My walk with Jesus needs to be fresh. And if it is, if it is, I will have something to say. That's really the key. It's not how smart you are. It's whether or not you're hanging out with Jesus, you're in his word, and you're having life-changing experiences with Jesus. If you do that, you will always have something to say when it comes to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for you, is that you will get serious about your walk with Jesus because it is serious business when it comes to being a witness for people to people who are lost and going to hell. They need you. God bless you. I look forward to being with you next Sunday.